Chapter 14, Part 2 So, what do we f do first? Christian asked one morning as they were eating breakfast in the living room of the house. Well, Bothwell's criminal element operates differently than it does in Calment, Jenner said. Each tier has its own guild or guilds that vie for control. Your tier 1, 2, and 3 guilds are mainly just escape artists and break-in men who steal from the rich estates and maybe some black market types that uh, deal magic and cater to the wealthy clientele. Your tier 4 and 5 guilds are run much like any other city, with an entire cast of colorful characters. Tier 6 and 7 have the worst of it, one of the reasons I didn't want to stay as long as we did that first night. You two are to steer clear of there, do you understand? Children go missing all the time. Boys and girls sold off to slavery. Murders happen every day. The guilds in those tiers, nothing more than roving bands of thieves and thugs. If things are so bad, why does the king let it happen? Christian asked. Christian, I spent weeks and weeks training you two to be able to defend yourselves, but perhaps I should have been giving you lessons on life, Jenner said, leaning back on his couch. Allow me to school you on some of the darker realities of the world. Crime is a business, like any other business. Criminals put in hours every day. They make money, and they pay their dues. Criminals do not pay taxes. Christian said. Some of them do, in public or in private, ones that want to stick around at any rate. Some pay off watchmen, others pay off councils or king's advisors or local businesses. But who would tolerate crime in their city? Christian asked. Someone who profits from it. At its most basic level, crime produces an awful lot of work. What, like lots and lots of people who want stuff stolen? Eric asked. Well, there's that, but also jobs to thwart crime. If there was no crime, we wouldn't need the watch. We wouldn't need prisons and people paid to guard prisons. We wouldn't need judges and defenders of the peace to defend criminals. You make it sound like they're all in on it, Christian said. Do you think they aren't? Christian, you really need to grow up fast if you think that. My dad was not, Christian said. Christian, your dad is one person. The watch is an entire entity unto itself. Did your dad trust every member of the watch? Were all of the men under him good men? Christian paused. He had heard his dad complain about some, taking bribes or looking the other way helping out their friends who were breaking the law. Point taken, Christian said. I'm not saying they're all bad. Your average watchman probably is a good guy. But anyone who wants something, money, power, pleasure, crime can offer those things in exchange for looking the other way. It's easy to rationalize, and people in dire straits can look the other way or compromise their morals from time to time. You seem very educated on the subject, Christian said. Christian, Erica said in alarm. 
Have I bought the occasional good that I knew probably wasn't from the best of sources? Yes. Yes, I have. But without access to that world, we'd also be no closer to finding the people who killed Erica's parents, or that burned down my theater. I apologize, Christian said. No need to apologize, Jenner said. No, I do. You are right. I know a lot about solving crimes, but not about how the world works. Or at least how big a city even works. You have lived twice my lifetime. You do not even need to be helping us, but you are. And I doubted your character. For that, I apologize. Christian, I doubt anyone who didn't question my character, Jenner said with a smile. It is just hard to understand why a king or anyone would let their people suffer. Do you remember Roland? Yes, Christian said. He used to patrol the streets here. He was so good at rooting out crime, it began to take a serious dive. Then King Geddon began giving Roland more and more jobs that took him out of the kingdom, to faraway lands to chase enemies of the king and wanted criminals. Anything and everything to keep him out of Bothwell. I see, Christian said with a sigh. Did you ever talk to him about our situation? Christian asked. I did, that night at the celebration. He said he would look into things at Calmont. If nothing else, I put him on the trail of that assassin. But I also know enough about the man to know that he'll check in on my household. He's a good man, just an overzealous one. Can I ask you a question about that? Christian said. Of course, Christian, Jenner replied. You've mentioned the one God from time to time. I know your mother believes. You've mentioned in passing that you also acknowledge his existence. But you are also at odds with Roland for seemingly the same reasons. Roland is a devout of the one God, but from the way you speak to him, he seems more of an enemy than an ally, Christian said. We can share beliefs and still disagree, Christian, Jenner said. I believe in the one God, because I have a hard time thinking that we came from nothing. How else does one explain magic, its ability to pull something from nothing? I've seen many beautiful horizons and marvelous structures that rival any logical architecture. I've traveled to many lands, learned about the Lenese Pantheon, where they have a god for almost any worry or occasion or thought. The Oron worship an entity called the Watcher of Days, an all-powerful being whose role it is to chronicle the tribulations of its people so that it may pass that knowledge on to future generations. And the Arcturans, they believe that this land we walk upon is a living, breathing being that will return to it when we die and will come back from it again. All this I have seen, and I have seen good and bad all the same from followers of all of these faiths. Some use them as a reason to do good, while others use them for a reason to war with those different from their own, to persecute them. Which type is Roland? Christian asked. For all that I have seen, Roland is good, Jenner began. But the man claims to converse with the one God that he, or, as Roland says, she, wills him to do her deeds. 
And you think that is crazy? Christian asked. Well, wouldn't you? Jenna replied. If I told you I knew a girl who could turn wood to air and metal to dust without a word or a gesture, would you think me crazy? Are you calling me a god? Erica said, sitting up, looking at Christian. Christian sighed, shaking his head. I was only joking, Erica said, going back to her food. Well, maybe once, but I've witnessed it myself, Jenner explained. So, if you heard the one god's voice in your head, you would be more apt to believe Roland, Christian offered. I... I don't even know where this is going, but sure, Jenner said. No, I, I just wanted to know. Well, what do you believe, Christian? Jenner asked. My father did not believe in anything having to do with ancients, religions, or new faiths. He believed in the law and order, and that doing what was right was better than praying for what was right. My mother, I think my mother lost her faith. I remember she used to tell me tales of the one God when I was young, songs she used to put me to bed with. But as I grew up, the tale stopped. Calment has no churches, so we never attended a formal mass. That doesn't answer my question, Jenner said. I guess I do not know, Christian replied. It seems to make some things make more sense if there is something to believe in. I do not really know much about any of the religions outside of what my mother and what Atze taught me. No reason to make up your mind, Christian. It's just something to talk about, Jenner said. How did this all start? Erica asked. I thought we were supposed to talk about how we're going to find my sister and the people who tried to kill us. We digressed, Christian and Jenner said at the same time. Yes, on to more relevant issues, Jenner said. As I was saying, I want the two of you to stick together and just wander the lower-tiered districts, one through four. Stay disguised, wear outfits that cover your faces, or at least hide them, and stay bundled up, but nondescript. The outfits we bought earlier should help. Just listen, see what people are talking about. As long as you two keep a low profile... I think you'll do fine. I want to see what people are talking about. If any major crimes have happened here, or who's moved in, and who's left. You want us to gather gossip? Erica asked. Jenner gave a laugh. I guess that's another way to say it, Jenner said. My dad always said gossip was worthless chatter between women, Christian said. Christian, I used to listen to my mother gossip with the women in the neighborhood all the time. Whose husband was out gambling, what wife was cheating on her husband, who was in debt, who might have caught the eye of a rich noble. That's exactly the kind of information we want to find out, Jenner said. But why? Christian asked. Well, first off, Locals always know what's going on in their city. We need to know as well. It's best not to look like visitors. Plus, while you're checking out local markets, inns, and shops, 
you'll also be familiarizing yourself with the area. If you come across any interesting shops, make a note of them, remember their name, and maybe spend a little silver there and learn the name of a person who's working. If you see a place that looks questionable, remember it, but don't go anywhere near it. I want you two to feel comfortable in the city. There's so much to see, though, Erica said. Well, then hire a guide. Every tier has either a shop or some sort of post dedicated to showing people the city. Again, stick to the lower tiers. The higher tier guides are little more than thieves who'll slowly bilk you for all your money. What are you going to be doing? Christian asked. Jenner pulled a small black book out from an inside vest pocket. I'm going to be talking to some people I already know, seeing what they know, and also check the records to see what crimes have been reported. It's slim, but maybe there have been babies taken from here, too. You're looking for a pattern, Christian asked. Good as place as any to start, Jenner said. Christian and Erica nodded. Will this work here? Christian asked, lifting up the watch whistle, the one his dad had given him, from around his neck. Uh, it can't hurt, but don't rely on it. Can I assume that the Calment watch didn't hand those out to anyone who asked? Yeah, just a few friends of the watch, Christian said. Well, then definitely only in an emergency. Watch might recognize it and then wonder how you got your hands on one, which might not be good for us right now, until we have a better idea of who we can trust. They talked a bit more, Christian and Erica deciding that they would just check out the first tier, maybe the second if there was time. They would return before nightfall. Jenner said that he should be back this evening, but not to worry if he was late. If you two ever have to leave from here on short notice, try to leave a note. The both of you can write, correct? Jenner asked. Christian nodded, and Erica shrugged, agreeing. Don't leave anything too specific, just so I know it's you. Maybe we should have like a secret word or something that means the message is just from us, Christian volunteered. Couldn't hurt, Jenner said. What did you have in mind? Um, your rudderless pupil, Christian said. Sounds good, Erica said. After they finished up their meeting, Christian and Erica went upstairs to get changed, putting on their less fancy clothes. Christian put a hat on, and Erica pulled up the hood of her jacket, tucking her hair into the back. Once they were ready, they came back down and walked with Jenner to the nearest main road, where they parted. Do you think this is safe? Erica asked Christian. I think so. Everyone we know thinks we're incalment and dead, Christian said. But what about that assassin? Erica asked. I mean, I shot it in the face three times. I've never seen anyone walk away from something that severe, Christian explained. I don't know. She seemed really tough, Erica added. Even if she did survive, you saw how she looked. I think we would see her coming before she saw us. But what if she's disguised like we are? Then we'll just have to be extra cautious. I'm just saying is all, Erica said, letting her voice trail off. 
Christian took her hand and held it as they walked, looking at her and giving her hand a reassuring squeeze. We'll be all right, Erica. If we just sit around scared, nothing will ever get solved. I know. They entered through the opposite side of the street than they had come in from, from the bank. They realized upon entering that they might need to dress a little better, in a nondescript fashion. They felt like they stood out too much. Several times they were asked by patrolmen if they were in the right area, and they had to show their writs. Uh, it's laundry day, Christian would mutter, which got a laugh from a good number of the watchmen, who bid them on their way. They found a place that gave tours, but it was not open. They looked around, finding a nearby inn, and ordered a light breakfast to eat as they waited. Gathering gossip was harder than they thought. People mainly talked about business they had to attend, or just chatted with the help. They turned a short meal into an hour-long affair, leaving a generous tip to their waitress who seemed perturbed by their long stay. The carriage tour was still closed, so they spent the rest of their time at what Christian thought was a smith. It was, but it turned out to be for glass and silver. They sold articulated oil lamps and timepieces. Christian was fascinated by a small round instrument that kept time by winding gears. At home they had a large clock that had belonged to Christian's grandparents that stood in their living room but this one was small enough to fit in his pocket. The older gentleman behind the counter told Christian how much it cost. Christian looked at it again, then carefully put it back down and backed away. The gentleman went back to his tinkering. I'm bored, Erica said, looking in a mirror lined with silver. Christian asked the man at the counter where they could buy parchment and writing utensils. He mentioned a shop not too far down from where they were, in one of the communal living buildings. Christian thanked the man, and the two of them headed out. What do you want that stuff for? We have a bunch back at the house, Erica said. Yes, but it doesn't help us right here. I want it in case we need to write something down. They walked to the building, heading south towards what appeared to be a side entrance. A man stopped them at the door. Christian looked at Erica, who shrugged. Christian took out his writ and showed it to the man. What am I supposed to do with this? He asked in a stern, but not unkind voice. Um, we need to buy paper, Christian said. This door is for residents only. You need to walk around to the main entrance, the man said, pointing around the corner. They thanked the man and went around the side, walking up to what they guessed was the main entrance. They entered through a wrought iron fence and then walked down a stone-paved sidewalk to two large doors that had been propped open. The two of them had never seen the inside of the building quite like it before. Instead of one main room, and maybe some hallways, it was like an indoor city block. They walked down a wooden road to an intersection with a fountain in the center, with benches and tables. People were sitting and eating meals. They looked around, and Erica saw a shop along one of the walkways that had a large colored feather on it. It turned out not to be a writing shop, but a shop that sold small birds in cages. 
Christian asked where the writing shop was, while Erica looked around at the birds. She came across a very small, multicolored one in a golden cage, labeled Paradisian. Its wings ran hues from yellow to violet, with a red underbelly, green tail feathers, and a light green head with dark purple spots. Let's buy one, Erica said as Christian came to get her so they could leave. Maybe, but we have to carry it around all day, Christian said. Oh, Erica mentioned, sounding defeated. Another day, I doubt they're going anywhere, being locked up in cages and all. They made their way to the writing shop. Christian was taken aback when he entered. They had more sizes, colors, and shapes of parchment than he had ever seen before. This may take a minute, he said, his eyes losing themselves in the shelves and shelves of neat, organized displays. Erica looked around, but saw nothing as pretty as the birds. Hi, a voice to Erica's right said. She turned, half expecting to see Oz standing there, but it was not. It was a little girl. She looked to be maybe five or six. She had shoulder-length brown hair that hung in curls, adorned with several bows in various shades of blue that matched her eyes. She was holding onto the hand of a lady who was holding several sheaves of paper and was mulling over a display of various inks. Hi, Erica said, waving at the girl. I'm Mina. What's your name? I'm Sapphire. Really? Like the gemstone? Really? Wow, that's a pretty day. You should come play with me sometime, Mina said. That sounds like fun. Do you live here? Erica asked, motioning to the building itself. Uh, I live with my mommy in the castle, Mina said. Mina, darling, don't bug the customers, the woman holding Mina's hand said. I'm sorry, dear. Children can be so inquisitive at her age. N no problem at all, miss, Erica said. Now come, Mina. We haven't got all day, and we still need to pick up a few more things. Have a good day, miss. You too, Erica said, giving a slight curtsy. Bobby, Bobby, her name was Sapphire, Erica heard Mina say as the two walked away. That's nice, dear, the woman said to the child, setting her things down at the register. Who was that? Christian asked, walking up next to Erica, holding several varieties of paper in his hand. Mina, she said she lives in the castle. She even invited me to go play with her, Erica said. I was just asking, Christian said, turning to look for quills. I'm serious. Erica said. Uh -huh, Christian mumbled, already lost back in his shopping. Erica turned to look back at the girl and waved goodbye to her as they left the store. The girl waved, waving until she walked out of sight with the older woman. Erica looked around a bit, but lost interest, and seeing that Christian was still enthralled by the shop's wares, decided to take a seat on a bench outside. She went and sat down, facing the shop, keeping an eye on Christian. It was quite some time later when she saw him walk up to the counter. 
He set down a stack of paper, a number of quills, and several vials of ink. Huh, your dad must do a lot of writing, the lady at the register said as she counted up the total. They are for me, Christian said, smiling, pushing over a heap of silver pieces, his purse lighter than when he'd entered the shop. The woman wrapped up the goods, placed them in a bag, and then tied the bag shut with a piece of string, handing the package to Christian. It was at this point that he looked up and noticed Erica was no longer in the shop. Erica watched from her bench until she could see him starting to get nervous. Then she grinned and walked over. Oh, there you are, he said, taking a breath. Now remember, you're going to have to carry that around the rest of the day she said, a hint of sarcasm in her voice. I know, I'm sorry about that, he said as they began walking back outside. Was that little girl really from the castle? Christian asked. That's what she told me, Erica said. Well, it might be important. You should write it down. I will. They walked back to the tour place and were beginning to wonder if it was ever going to open. Christian made a note about Mina and put his things back away, at which point a young woman opened the door and asked if they needed anything. Just waiting for the shop to open, Christian said. What do you mean? the woman asked. Christian pointed to the sign. The woman blushed and apologized, saying she forgot to take it down and that they had been open for quite some time. The woman showed them inside and had them set up for the first available carriage. It was a one-horse design with an open top. The driver introduced himself, helped them step up to their seats, and they headed off. The driver was a wealth of information, both useful and mundane. They learned where most of the council for the king lived, as well as the many officials who handled the day-to-day -day politics for Bothwell. Each tier had an elected council of five magistrates, who acted as lawmakers and judges for each tier. And while there were a large number of laws that were common, each tier had a few laws unto themselves. He pointed out a few of the more well-known ones. Tier 1 had the earliest curfew, being sunset. After that, people could not leave or enter the tier, and were fined if found out on the public streets. People who lived in the communal houses were allowed to wander the indoor streets of their particular housing establishment at any hour. Tier 6 and 7 had no laws preserving trees and other natural growth. Tier 5 housing permits doubled as commercial areas, so anyone could run a business out of their own home. Brothels were illegal in Tiers 3 and 4. Christian asked what was new, saying he had been out of the town for a while and living with an uncle in Calment for a couple of years. That's a mighty long time to be away from home. What did you do to get yourself kicked out in the first place? The man asked. Oh, uh, nothing like that. I, I just wanted to live there, Christian said. Really? The man said, sounding surprised. Christian nodded. Begging your pardon, sir, I just, I've lived all my life in Bothwell, and I couldn't imagine ever wanting to live anywhere else. Anything and everything I could ever want is right here. Oh, so you live here? Christian asked. With the kings? Nah, I couldn't scrape by living here if I wanted to. But, 
why can I why would I do that if I can live like royalty down in the commons? Christian looked at Erica and prodded her to ask about the kings in the commons. Begging your pardon, miss, the man asked. Uh, I'm not from here. My, my cousin hasn't really told me much about Bothwell yet, Erica said. Well then, let me be the first, he said. Their driver explained how each tier had a nickname. None of this tier one, tier four technical stuff. Tier one was the king's. All the rich people gravitated to it, and most everyone was either nobility, or pretending to be, at least. Tier 2 was Uptown, as it was seen as the upscale version of most of the other tiers. Their food is better, their public establishments are better, and their women are better. Christian was beginning to get the picture that their driver was very fond of females, but he kept that to himself. Tier 3 was the country, on account of its very tree-and-lawn-driven surroundings and all of the fresh air and open spaces. Tier 4 was the market. You could find just about anything you were looking to buy in the market, high-end or low. In fact, it had the smallest population of residents, and just about everyone was a merchant, because of the housing laws. It also had the highest population of foreigners, who sought to eke out a living away from home. Tier 5 was the commons. They were told it was where your average person could live and not feel too far out of the place from anywhere else. It was broken up into blocks, and every block was kind of like its own community. Perfect place to raise some kids, the man said. Oh, how many children do you have? Christian asked. Well, two that I know of, the man said, looking back at Christian with a wink. But seriously, unless you have money falling out of your ears... I say live in the commons. Tier 6 was the Hive, which was nicknamed after a magier who had tried his hand at a flower shop. Some of his spells went awry and resulted in gigantic bees, ants, and spiders. They terrorized the tier for years, and it took a lot of manpower to subdue the beasts. Some of the buildings are still uninhabited near where the shop was, and... Every once in a while, you got reports of some city worker seeing giant ants in the sewer, or someone spotting a huge spider skidding across the rooftops. Tier 7 was also known as jail, since it was full of criminals and vagrants. It was so bad that some of the watch offered offenders the chance to go live in Tier 7 over paying fines. You can pay your fees or you can go to jail is a common phrase you hear from judges in Bothwell. Hey, did you two want to go anywhere in particular? The man asked. They said that heading back would be fine. The rest of the journey went by with little event. The kings had few public gatherings or entertainment venues. The sun was just beginning to dip behind the mountains by the time they returned. They thanked the man, and Christian tipped him and asked him his name. It's Kelman. Kelman Hornsmith. If ever you be needing another tour, I'm your man. Can you recommend anyone in the other tiers? I want to show my cousin around the rest of the city, Christian said. See the sights, Kelman said. But isn't that the name of this place, Christian asked. We got more than one. Got one in all five of the lower tiers, all to the west of the south main road, like this one. Thank you, Mr. Hornsmith, Christian said. 
Just Kelman is fine. You can thank me by letting them know I sent you. If you make it to any of the other tours during your stay, Kelman said, walking the carriage into the stables. They said their goodbyes, and the two of them decided to call it a day, heading back to their home in the country. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast, or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos, or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.